Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. At times, they strike us and impact us, and it hurts. At other times, they're more soothing, and they help us. These forces have the ability to convey thoughts, resurrect dreams, rain down memories, ignite conflicts, captivate audiences, instill fear, and they can even orchestrate love stories. Their influence spans a range of emotions capable of starting wars and also ending wars. Now, I know that sounds like some plot of a futuristic tale, but we experience that every day because what I'm talking about is sound waves, literal sound waves. Did you know that sound travels at 767 miles per hour and that ultimately when it hits space, it comes to a halt, it stops? There's nothing that gets in the way of it, so it's not stopped by something that's in the way of it. It's stopped because space is a vacuum. It's considered to be empty, so it doesn't have a medium to travel through. It needs air or water to travel through it. And what I want to talk to you about today is not just sound waves in general. I want to talk to you about sacred sound waves. Now, our words, sounds that come out of our mouth, really do have an impact. The Bible says that the tongue has the power of life and death, and what we speak really does matter. Words are extremely powerful. Uh, you know, they, they can actually destroy things, or they can build up things. And the title of the sermon this morning is Sacred Sound Waves, Hearing the Voice of God. And I don't want to necessarily talk about our sound waves or, or the words that come out of our mouth as much as I do that, uh, about the words that come out of God's mouth. We're in a season right now where I really believe that, that God is not unaware of everything that's going on. You know, the things that we watch on the news or we hear about, you know, uh, that's going on in, in, in D.C. or uh, across the country or across the world. God's not taken off guard by those things like, oh, darn it, I didn't know this was coming. Like God knows exactly what's going on. And I believe this. I believe that he has the solution. I believe that he is the solution. And here's the thing. He wants us to partner with him. And a part of us partnering with him is actually him speaking a word into our lives and then us responding to that word. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Hearing the voice of God. Learning how to hear the voice of God. Of God. Throughout history, God has chosen to interact with his people in one of those ways is he speaks to us. And I know for some of us, that may seem odd or even far out there. Like, Adam, are you saying like literally he audibly, you hear the voice of God? Are you one of those? Or maybe you're at a place where you're like, Adam, I want to hear, you know, the voice of God. And, and, and I really do, but I just don't know how to hear the voice of God. Or maybe you're at a place where you're like, you know what? I hear the voice of God all the time and, and I love it. Wherever you are this morning, God wants to meet you exactly 
where you are, and he wants to lift you up and encourage you. And so church, this morning, I want to encourage you. One of the most essential tools for being effective, for being a godly influence wherever we are, whether it's in the political arena, we have individuals here that are in the political arena and the school boards and so on and so forth, whether, whether it's in our educational system, if it's in the, the, the living room of your home where we have an influence, one of the most essential tools that God has given us is his voice and the ability to hear his voice. Because without the ability to hear God, we're stunted in our own walk with him, and we're also stunted in our ability to actually be effective and make a difference. And the Bible's full of stories in the Old Testament about how God speaks. So God definitely does speak. In fact, you know, he, he spoke with Adam and Eve as they were in the garden, walking. Now, this is the, the, the most beautiful conversation that you can have because sin had not yet entered into the world. And so it was this pure, unadulterated, you know, fellowship that was happening between God and man. It was awesome. And then God spoke with Noah. And I'm just, I wonder how that conversation went down. Like, hey, no, I'm going to need you to build a boat. Like, what? A boat. Yeah, it's a buoyant thing. That it, What? A buoyant? Why do we need? I, I don't have time to go over the science. It's going to rain. You're used to the water coming up. It's going to start coming down. There's going to be some floods. I need you to do this for me, Noah. Okay. Oh, by the way, just so you know, people are going to think you're weird and you're crazy. Uh, just go for it. Uh, let's do this. Okay. So he spoke with Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to need you to take off, leave everything you know behind, and I'm going to need you to go. And he pulls out his phone. He says, okay, I'm going to put it in, uh, you know, Google Maps. Where do you want me to go? I'm not telling you. I just need you to go, Abraham. I'll let you know when you head out. What? Okay, go. He spoke with Moses in a burning bush. I mean, that's odd. You know, it never burned. It just kept burning, but it never burned. He spoke with Nebuchadnezzar in a dream. Story after story after story after story in the Old Testament, God spoke to his people. And it was important and the psalmist reminds us how important it is to hear and to listen for the voice of God. In Psalm 85, 8, I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people. In Psalm 95, 7, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. In Isaiah 55, 3, come to me with your ears wide open, listen and you will find life. And you say, well, Adam, that's OT. That's Old Testament. Yeah, of course God spoke back then. You know, that was a different dispensation. That was a, a different time. Well, God spoke in the New Testament as well. He spoke to Mary through an angel. And we know anytime an angel showed up on the scene, you know, there was like fear involved because they were so scary that they had to say, fear not. God spoke to Mary through an angel. He spoke to Joseph through a dream through an angel. <laughs> he, he spoke to, to Saul, who is now the apostle who wrote 13 books of the Bible, but he spoke to him on the road to Damascus as, as Saul was riding out to go persecute the church. God threw him off his horse and began to speak to him, you know, caused him to be blind and, and, and literally radically changed his life forever through a spoken word of God. He spoke to, to Peter as Peter was praying and just, you know, searching after the heart of God. God began to reveal to Peter that, hey, listen, you have seen and considered Gentiles to be unclean, but what I have made clean is not unclean. I'm going to need you to go to the Gentile world, start with Cornelius, go preach the gospel. He does. Radical things happen. There's revival in the church because Gentiles are getting saved left and right because God spoke a word. God speaks. And when God speaks and we listen to the voice of God, radical things will happen. 
In each of those cases, God told people his will. And when God told them what he wanted of them, they were, they were able to now either choose and participate in it or they could reject it. It was their choice. And my heart today and this morning is not only to encourage you on how to hear the voice of God. I want to do that. But I want to encourage you when you hear it to obey the voice of God. Amen. That's where the rubber meets the road. I want us to understand that the key to success in the kingdom of God is hearing God's voice. And I truly believe that God definitely speaks today. Jesus said this, he said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Many times Jesus said, hey, listen, anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. In John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future. And so for me, I don't think the question is, does God speak today? I think the question that we need to ask ourselves, the better question is, are we in tune with God's word? You know, back in the day when I was a kid, my grandmother would have me get up and turn the TV station so she could watch her gun smoke shows, you know, rifleman shows. And so I had to go up there and I knew it was on channel 39 and there were two different knobs. And so I had to go to the top one and turn it to you. And then I had to go to the bottom one and turn it to channel 39 so that grandma could watch her gun smoke show. And what we were doing is we were trying to tap into the frequencies so that signal would hit the TV box. And oftentimes grandma would say, if you could just hold that antenna right there and stay there just for a second, like how long do I have Stay, uh, go get the foil and wrap it around those antennas. We'll, we'll make this thing work. That was tapping into the frequencies. And yeah, we're not dealing with that. Maybe we're opening up our Hulu app or Netflix or Paramount Plus. or I mean, there's like 30 of them. We used to have cable and have a $100 bill. And now we have 90 apps and have a $150 and $200 bill. It's crazy. But we're trying to tap into a signal so that we can watch something or so that we can listen, and listen to something. And that is exactly what I want to encourage us this morning. How do we get in tune with God's voice. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now, that's an awesome passage that I've quoted quite a bit. You've probably heard quite a bit. It's in the book of Revelation. And we typically use that as we're evangelizing. And we're like, hey, church, just so you know, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and knocking. Open it and invite him into your heart and give your life to Jesus. And that's a radical message. And I'm not knocking that whatsoever. But did you know that Jesus is actually speaking to the church in the book of Revelation? Yeah. Like he's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. My question is, why is Jesus outside the doors of the church? Like, that's weird. Like, uh, why did we let Jesus out? Why is he not in here? But nonetheless, I don't know. But he's knocking at the door and he's coming in and he's waiting for us to open the door as an invitation to speak into our lives so that we might, by the power of the Holy Spirit, make a difference in this world. Yes. Listen, I believe that God is up to something big. I think God is saying, I want to speak a word so that you can be used as a catalyst of transformation in your families. God's saying, I want to impart a word so that you can go out and speak hope to a, a hopeless world. He's saying, I want to give you something so that you can be just that, that ignition of flames, my flames of love to a world who is starving for it. We have to start learning how to hear the voice of God. Jesus is talking. God is talking. 
Not only does God speak, listen, I believe that he has the desire to speak to you. The Lord wants to speak to you personally, and he wants to address you specifically. And so how do we tune in? How do we listen up? How do we hear the voice of God? How do we tap into the sacred sound waves? Well, I want to read to you 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verses 1 through 11. Let's read that together. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 3, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel? Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up, ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you, did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. And in verse 6, then the Lord called out again, Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. And Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. And so the Lord called him a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. And so he said to Samuel, go and lie down. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called us before Samuel and Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. And then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. Wow, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I believe that God wants to speak to you personally, to us corporately, because he wants to do a shocking thing in Flagler, because he wants to do a shocking thing in Palm Coast, because he wants to do a shocking thing in the United States. You're saying, yeah, but it's too far gone in D.C. It's too far gone in California. It's too far gone in New York. But God is saying, there is nothing too big for me. I have got this, and what I need to do is give you the strategy so that you can respond in obedience and go out and do what I've called you to do. God is speaking and wants to do a shocking thing. I want you to notice a few things in this story that have really helped me in my journey on learning how to tune in to God's word. Number one, I want you to notice who the Lord spoke to. Who the Lord spoke to. Now, there's a couple of different characters that are mentioned in this story. Three total, Eli, you know, Samuel and God, but, but, but you've got Eli, and Eli was one of, one of the, the elites, if you will. He was the priest. He was the one with the credentials. He's the one that went to Bible college and said, you know what? I'm going to keep, keep on. Let's go, to, let's go to seminary, and he got his master's of divinity, and then he went on and got his doctorate. That's the guy he was. He was the guy that everybody went to and said, hey, you're the priest. What is God saying right now? And Eli would tell him what God is saying, but guess what? God did not speak to Eli. God spoke to a child, Samuel. And if we're going to learn how to hear the voice of God, we have to remain childlike in our faith. God spoke to a child. In, Matthew, in, in the book of Matthew, Jesus says that we must become like children of God in order to enter the kingdom of God. God speaks to the child-like. Sometimes when we get older, we, we become a little cynical. 
we become a little pessimistic and we think we have it all figured out. You know, we, we lose that childlike mentality that God is big and that God can do anything and there's nothing too big for my mighty God. We kind of lose that mentality because we've gone through some stuff in life and everything really has to be logical and it all has to be rational and everything has to make sense. But God speaks to the childlike who's not bound by those things. We've got to be careful not to become like that. General Douglas MacArthur, probably heard of him. He was one of our American military leaders. He was a hero, if you will. He served in the army as well. Actually, he was a field marshal to the Philippine army. He served with distinction in World War I. He was the uh, uh, chief of staff in the 1930s of the army. He served in World War II as well. So he saw war after war. He was nominated for three Medal of Honors, the highest honors you could possibly get. He was nominated for that three times. So he saw some stuff in his day and he could have easily become very cynical and very pessimistic about what was happening around him, but he didn't. And one of the secrets was that he was inspired by this poem written by Samuel Ullman. And he's, MacArthur's really the one that popularized it. He framed it, kept it in his office. He often quoted it in his speeches and it became known as the MacArthur's Credo. And I'll read it to you. He said, you are as young as your faith, as old as your doubt, as young as your self-confidence, as old as your fear, as young as your hope, as old as your despair. So long as your heart receives messages of beauty, cheer, courage, grandeur, and power from God, so long are you young. When all the wires are down, and all the central places of your heart are covered with the snows of pessimism and the ice of cynicism, then and only then are you grown old indeed. And may God have mercy on your soul. Wow. Wow. We have got to remain childlike in our faith. We don't have time to grow cold and cynical right now. I was reading through the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is a book in the New Testament, uh, and the author wants to convey this really radical message that has great implications, um, but he can't. And he says that he can't because they're not listening. And I think that's what's happened. They've grown dull of hearing. There's, there, God is speaking, but they're not listening. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 5. It says, there's so much more that we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. Wow. So now we know who God spoke to, not the elite of the elites. He spoke to the childlike. But my next point is, when did Samuel hear him? I want you to notice that. I read to you the translation in the New Living Translation, but I believe a better translation of chapter three, verse one, kind of gets to the heart of the passage more, is out of the ESV, and it reads, Samuel was ministering to the Lord. Take note of that. Samuel was ministering to the Lord. 
You know, there's a difference between ministering to the Lord and ministering for the Lord. When I'm ministering for the Lord, I'm teaching the Bible up here. Hopefully the Bible. Otherwise, I shouldn't be up here. Hopefully I'm teaching the Bible. Or I'm out feeding the homeless. Or I'm out, you know, dropping, you know, money for missions. Or whatever it is, I'm ministering for the Lord. I'm doing something to or for the Lord. I'm doing something, right? Ministering to the Lord is different. It's something, it's like a praise. It's, a, it's, a, it's an adoration that is welled up in your heart. It's in your private prayer closet. It's in the secret place that nobody knows about. And you're just giving all your adoration and all your affection to God. You're ministering to the Lord. That is when God spoke to Samuel when he was ministering to the Lord. There's a difference. Anyone can minister to the Lord. Any of us can go to our private prayer closet and give God praise. Not all of us maybe can, can preach a sermon. Not all of us can throw a million dollars down or, or travel across the ocean to another country to be missionaries, but we can all minister to the Lord. In Acts chapter 13 too, it says that while Paul and Barnabas, okay, this is the birth of the church. It says that while Paul and Barnabas were ministering to the Lord, the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work which I have called them. So as they're ministering to the Lord, God speaks. God sent them. After, he, after they're ministering to the Lord, God then sends them out so they can minister for the Lord. And that, that we, can't, we can't mix those. We have to start learning how to minister to the Lord. We have to start learning how to praise God in our quiet time because oftentimes that's when God speaks. Not simply doing things for God, but being with God and praising God. You know, it amazes me how God knows every last thing about us. All those little secret things, God knows. All those things you think nobody else knows about you, that you try really hard to hide, fake it till you make it type stuff, God knows, and yet he still wants a place at your table. I love that. Central to my child, in my childhood growing up, central to my childhood was grandma and grandpa's, <clears throat> excuse me, table. Their dining room table. The dining room table is where everything happened. We would talk. We would fight. We would argue. We would play games. We would pray. We would strategize about life. We would hear grandpa, you know, impart wisdom. Uh, there were so many things that happened around that table. We would feast and eat and celebrate Jesus. And one of the things that I remember is grandma and grandpa made sure that it was God who had a place at the head of the table. And that's what I'm talking about. I was taught how to minister to the Lord by allowing God to have a place at my table. My granddad taught me that. And that's what's happening here. Samuel is ministering to the Lord and God calls and actually drops something, a word on him. So we know who God spoke to. We know when God spoke to him, but I want you to take note of where God spoke to him. Samuel was in the temple of the Lord. The, the, the temple of the Lord was a place for sacrifice, a place for, for prayer and praise, a place for, for blessing of persons and things, a place for remembering the law of the Lord. 
a, a place to hang out as a family, a place to, to receive revelation from God. And when, when Samuel, you know, heard the Lord, he was in the temple of the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 3, 16, Paul says, don't you yourselves know that you are the temple of the Lord? Now, in the past, I've read that, and I think this is accurate theology. He's speaking about me personally. You know, my body is the temple of the Lord, and I believe I can back that up with other scripture. But interestingly enough, Paul is actually speaking to the church that is gathered reading this letter. And so as they're reading it, the, the reader is saying, we are the temple of the Lord. God's gathered people are the temple of the Lord. In other words, God speaks in our gatherings. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And if we've come to accustomed to where we don't believe in the gathering anymore, I think we might miss out on some of the things that God is speaking. There's times where God speaks to me and, and I'm supposed to use that to encourage somebody else or to equip somebody else. And there's times where God spoke to them and they're supposed to use it to encourage me and to equip me. That's the way the gathered body works. We are the temple of God. There's something about gathering as a people. God just speaks. So we've seen who he spoke to, when he spoke to him, where he spoke to him. But I want to conclude with this final thought. Why did God speak to Samuel? And why would God choose to speak to you and I? And I think it's because Samuel had responsiveness. Samuel responded to the voice of the Lord. Did you notice how many times Samuel got up out of bed because of a voice? Samuel responded. Samuel was faithful. Everything God shared with him, he shared with Eli as he was supposed to. And from that time on, he did exactly that. Anything God spoke, he was faithful to it. He responded. Samuel became a major prophet and did as the Lord instructed him to do. What will we do when God speaks with us? Will we get out of our bed so to speak? God knew Samuel would. Jesus in John chapter 14, he says this, if you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, there should be a response. Now, when I used to, when I read this uh, some time ago, I used to, to think, okay, so I got to love God. Okay, here I go. I'm going to do this again today. I got to obey. I got to obey. I got to obey. And I found my attention on obedience rather than Christ. And that's not what's being communicated here. Jesus is not saying, hey, listen, I need you to take your focus off me so you can focus on obeying. That's religion. That's not what's being communicated here. There's something else being communicated. I, I think Jesus is speaking to the proper source of our obedience. It's not fear. It's not pride. It's, it's not a desire to earn blessing. The proper source of obedience is love. As Charles Spurgeon, one of the great preachers in the past, he said it this way. I like the way he put it. He said, obedience must have love for its mother, nurse, and food. The essence of obedience lies in the hearty love, which prompts the deed rather than in the deed itself. Okay, I, I, I don't go out and cheat on my wife because I love her. Right? I'm, not, I'm not like going out and going, okay, I can't cheat on my wife today. I can't cheat on my wife today. I can't cheat on my wife today. Ah, you know, that's not what I'm doing. It's out of the abundance of my love for her that I don't cheat on her. 
I just don't do it. Why? Because I love her. Because I've got a ring on this finger that says I have made a commitment. Because I've got a ring on this finger that says I've made a commitment to Jesus. I don't go out and do it because I've got love. It's not that I'm focusing on not doing it. It's that I'm focused on the love of Christ. When God speaks to us, it should provoke a response. It should cause us to get up out of our bed. Why? Because we love him. And in fact, we only love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Do you remember the moment when you realized the love of Christ in your life and how it just transformed you? That's what I'm talking about. It compels you just to simply follow after God because that's all you know and that's all you want. He's changed your life from the inside out. You want nothing more. You know that that's death and he is life. That's what God is looking for. And so maybe you're saying to yourself, okay, Adam, all right, let's, let's, let's get this. I, I want to be childlike. I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, grow cynical. I've given God a place at the table. You know, I like to spend time with him in my quiet place. I, I value gathering in the church, and I'm committed to that. Uh, I want to be obedient when God speaks and responds. But my question is this, how do I hear the voice of God? How do I know if it's actually God speaking? And I think that's a great question, and I want to spend a little time answering that question for you. You remember uh, Samuel getting out of bed three different times and going to Eli? Why did he go to Eli? Because he didn't know it was God's voice. He had to learn how to discern God's voice. It didn't just automatically come to him. Now, we are, we are his sheep and we hear his voice. That is true. And so I would say the first thing you need to do if you want to hear the voice of God is know God. You need to know God. And, 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 and I believe if you've accepted the message of Jesus, then you do know God. You're a part of his sheep and you will hear his voice. He's given you the ability to hear his voice. But I would say this, secondly, we need to realize that not every good word is a word from God. And so how do we discern? Some people may find this weird. If you're not a part of the church, I apologize. I'm using kind of some Christian language here, but we hear voices. We hear four voices. We hear our own spirit. We hear the Holy Spirit. We will often hear evil spirits. And then we hear angels, I believe. There's those four voices that we have in our heads. Now, I can honestly tell you that I typically, typically, unless I'm walking in the flesh and I give in to those evil voices, I typically don't think, wow, was that, was that voice from God? If it's evil, I kind of know. Like that's a, oh, that's not from God. No way you know, no way. It's not hard for me to, to discern, you know, an evil voice. What's hard for me to discern is if it's my own voice, my own spirit, or if it's God's voice. And I've had some times where it's been very clearly, that's a God word. I know that. That's a God word. Yeah, too, way too smart for me. There's no way I could have come up with that one. And, and, and that's the heart. I think that's where the rubber meets the road a lot of times is where we have that issue of, was that myself or was that God? And I, I had a really a close friend of mine who was a pastor of a church that we attended to for quite some time that we loved. And it was one of those crazy Pentecostal type churches. Like you just, uh, what's going to happen today? We don't know. Let's wait. Okay, let's see what's going to happen. This is going to be fun. Okay. So, but it would last like two hours long. The sermon. That was after an hour of worship. I'm like, so I, I'm like, hey, uh, man, like, 
why do we go so long? I mean, I, everybody seems drained at the end. This is exhausting. I, I, I just felt the move of the Spirit. Okay, all right. Well, I don't want to get in the way of the move of the Spirit. Like, uh, okay. And so the next Sunday, same thing. The next Sunday, same thing. Six months later, hey, we're exhausted. We're tired. Why are we doing three or four-hour services? I'm not sure you're feeling the, the moving of the Holy Spirit. I feel like you're feeling the moving of your spirit, which is not a bad thing. It's just that's your spirit. Don't call it the Holy Spirit. You know, we're exhausted. We're tired. And so learning how to differentiate between is that my spirit or the Lord's spirit, I think is absolutely essential. And I, I want to give you some practical insights on maybe how to learn how to do that, because I don't think I can give you a one word and you're like, dang, got it. Here we go. Like, that's not going to happen. This is going to happen on our journey like it happened on Samuel's journey, where he began to learn how to discern the voice of God. And I would say, number one, to discern if it's the voice of God, we need to make sure to get into the word of God. Like, we need to get into the word of God. If we're going to know God's character, God's heart, we need to be in the word of God. And I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, now you need to do like an hour every day, you know, darn it, here we go. That, I, that's not what I'm talking about. We're focused, that you're focusing on obedience. And I'm saying out of the abundance of love, we need to get into the word of God because we want to know more about God. We want to know more about God. So we need to get into the word of God. And we need to start listening to God. You know how it's, that's hard for me. I like to speak, especially when I'm talking to God. Like, oh my, God, you saw that? And I just start going after it and like just praying. And God's like, I got a solution, but you don't, you, you don't even give a breath. I mean, like, can I get in there somewhere? Like, it's like, you know, merging on a busy highway, Adam. I can't get in. Like, come on, just stop talking so I can say a word and give you the solution. Sometimes we need to stop talking and allow God to speak. Being accountable to one another and allowing others to help us discern what that is, if it's a voice, your voice, or if it's God's voice. That's important. And that, that takes the gathering. That takes me being vulnerable and saying, hey, you know, I, I, you know, I, I feel like God is, is speaking to me. What are your thoughts? And allowing somebody to speak into that, that you love and, and, and value and appreciate and feel, you know, safe with. Oftentimes people will come to me and they go, Adam, God said, blah, 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 blah. What do you think? Um, don't really have any thoughts on that. God spoke it. I'm not going against God. Um, so yeah, if God said it, then so be it. I don't have any thoughts. Just go after it. You know, and oftentimes I found that people just use that language like nonchalantly. Like, did God really say that? Like, let's talk about that. Like, and so let's discern if that's really the case. And so I, I think it's important to be accountable. And when we receive a word, we should be able to judge that word. I've gotten prophetic words that were spot on. Why? Because it, it just didn't go against the word of God. So that's one, one lens I looked through it. Does, it. does it go against the word of God? No, okay. Does it sit well with my spirit? Yeah, it sits well with my spirit. Uh, does it draw me closer to God? Yeah, it draws me closer to God. Okay, uh, do others in my circle agree that this is the case? Case in point. I'm sitting in a large service, I, 500 people or so. It's a large service. It's, it, there's there's a, a, a lady up there giving a, a word to different people, and she says, is there an Adam here? And I'm like, mm -mm, no. <laughs> like, surely there's another Adam. There's 500 people here, for crying out loud. Nobody stands up. And so my wife is like, you know, like, come on. I'm like, you know, like, and I raise my hand and stand up and she begins to, to, to give me this word and it was exactly 
what I had been going through. And then, then she gave me a solution that God spoke to her. And, I, and what it was is I had gone through a tragic time in church with, with a particular leader in the church. And it had caused a big riffle throughout the church. And she was saying, hey, listen, you were confused. He was confused. And your responsibility is to build this bridge to reconcile this relationship. And I was like, ah. And everybody around that me that knew that situation is like, Adam, that's from God. You need to call that person now. I got on the phone. I said, hey, listen, we need to talk. Why? Because God spoke a word that was truly from God. And I was able to, it didn't go against the word. It set well with my spirit. It, 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 it went well with the people that were, uh, you know, right there in front of me. And it drew me closer to God and it reconciled the relationship. And so we've got to learn how to discern the voice of God with our voice. And that takes time and maturity. So get into the word of God and start allowing God to speak to you and let other people know around you so that we can help you grow and you can help us grow in hearing the voice of God. Listen, one of the most essential tools for being effective, for being a godly influence where we are is that God has given us his voice, his voice and the ability to hear his voice. And without this ability to hear God, we will be stunted. We'll be stunted in our own walk and we'll be stunted from being effective. The speed of sound, I told you, 767 miles an hour. That is super fast. But again, it comes to a halt when it hits space because there's a vacuum. It's empty. It has nothing to travel through. And so my question is, uh, God doesn't have a problem with communicating. Now, he's, he's not got a communication issue. We have the communication issue. We have the problem hearing from God. And I think what often happens is we create these vacuums in our life where it sucks the voice of God out. And maybe our vacuum is that we've become cynical or that we've become pessimistic and we can no longer hear the voice of God. Or maybe our vacuum is that we're no longer spending time with Jesus in those intimate, secret moments and, and he's not speaking to us that way anymore. And so we've created a vacuum that's sucking that voice out. Or maybe our vacuum is that we're no longer seeing the value gathering again as a group of people and you don't want other Christians around you. You're tired of people in your life and you've, you've, you've basically given up on gathering gathering. Or maybe our vacuum is that we're not obeying and responding to the word that God has already given us. And so we feel like he's not speaking a word because he's given you some words and you haven't done anything with those words. Maybe we've created a vacuum because of hurt or somebody did something to you. And it hurts so much that you don't want to let God in because he didn't take care of you then. Why would he take care of you now? And you don't want to let anybody else in because you feel like if you do, they're gonna hurt you again. And now you've got unforgiveness in your heart towards that person. And you didn't necessarily do anything wrong in that situation, but now you've harbored this bitterness that has turned into unforgiveness that has created a vacuum that is sucking the voice of God right out of your life. And you're crying out for God to speak. And he's crying out to say, do you know how much I've forgiven you? Do you know how much I've forgiven you? Can you simply let that person go? Because I've forgiven you a ton. God wants to speak to us. And listen, if you think you're the only one with the vacuum, everyone here has created a vacuum at some point or another. We're all vacuum cleaners to some point or another. <laughs> but I believe God is bigger than that. I believe God is much bigger than that. I believe that God wants to speak a word. Can I encourage you this morning? I saw an, an article 
a news article yesterday that I read. It just, you know, I don't know how you are, but I start getting like livid when I read some of these articles and I have to like throw my phone down and walk away and just ask God to help me. Um, so I was reading this article and, 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 and there was a leader in our nation that was being sworn in as a school board member. Okay, so he's gonna be leading our schools. And he was holding his left hand on books and he was raising his right hand right? Being sworn in. Only his left hand wasn't on the Bible like it normally is. His left hand was on these books that were essentially pornography, sexually explicit books that, the, uh, that, that certain people have an agenda to get into our schools. And he was swearing on those books, his second term on the boardroom. Now I was livid. And there's times where I look at that and I go, unbelievable. But I have to believe that God is saying, listen, I'm bigger than that, Adam. You don't know who that man is. Maybe he's been through some stuff. It doesn't matter. I am bigger than that, Adam, and I can speak a word. Then you can make a difference. And I believe that, yes, it's easy to look out at the world and look out at California, New York, or some of these more influential spots in the world, and we can say, oh, it's gone too far, and God is saying, no, I've got a word. If you'll hear it, I'll use you as a catalyst of transformation. Just listen to my word and repent of these vacuums. You don't have to have these vacuums. I want to speak to you, Adam. I want to tell you my heart. I want you to communicate that to the world. Will you allow me to? And God is saying that this morning. God is speaking today in this church. I believe he wants to use you as a catalyst in your family. He wants to use you as a catalyst in Flagler. He wants to use you to make a difference in Palm Coast. He can do it. If he's done it in the past, he can do it again. Listen, when the world's at its worst, the church should be at her best. There, there, there's altars, and altars are good because they define the faithfulness of God, what God has done in the past. And we need to take these vacuums, and we need to place those on the altars and sacrifice them. But listen, it's not the altars that are going to save us. It's the living well of water that we need to drink from that's going to save us. And Jesus said, all who thirst, come to me, and I will give you living water. If you find yourselves dry, not hearing the voice of God, I want to encourage you on your own time, go to Jesus and drink from the living well. So if you would, church, would you just stand to your feet? I just want to pray over you, just a prayer real quick. <clears throat> Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Yes. Lord, I want to thank you that you have spoken through your son, and you rescued us all. You saved us. You rose again and you gave us life. You died the death that we should have died. And you made us righteous. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, I just pray that you would begin to speak to your body right now. That you begin to speak to the hearts of your bride. To your church. To your people. And I believe that God is raising up leaders today. That he's going to speak a word into you and you're going to make a huge difference in your circle of influence. 
And I don't care if you're 13 years old or if you're 90 years old, God can speak a word and use you to make a difference. And so, Father, I just pray your anointing over your bride and over your church. And I pray that you'd begin to just drop just new manna, fresh manna, Lord. I believe that God wants to do a new thing in your life. And so, Father, I just pray that you'd begin to speak just the small, tender whisper of your voice would begin to heat, uh, hit the hearts of your church this morning, Lord and you'd begin to give us a strategy on how to move forward, even when it doesn't seem like there's hope going on all around us. And so the, I believe God is raising up prophets. I believe he's raising up apostles. I believe he's raising up pastors and teachers. I believe he's raising up moms and dads to impart to another generation your faithfulness, God's faithfulness. And so, Father, I just ask that you would do a move. Do a move, and may we be that spark do a move, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And all God's people said amen. amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Adam. Now, if that's not an hour word, then uh, wow. just want to just say before I pray for you and release you that... Um, those in the preaching team, I just want you to have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. This, is kind of, this, this, this message calls us up, and I sense God's calling us up. And in, the, in 2024, I really sense God wants us to minister messages that would, would call, cause us to be people that would walk with God. People that would be known that walk with God. If they call, talk to, about coastal, they say people at coastal walk with God. And it's like me, um, I've walked with Coastal now 19 years since, since his birth. I've, I've walked with God in my, in, my, in my life now 45 years. It, it, it takes a, a decision and it takes a, a way of life to walk with God. So we want to be able to minister to that so that you can be a people that know how to walk with God. And everybody will look and say, we want what they have. Because the goodness of God draws a man to repentance. And so I really want to encourage you. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We walk into a different, a different step now, to a different beat, to a different drum. And that's because Christ has come into our life. And that message, that's, uh, to hear God's voice, man, I tell you, it's, it's, it's special and it's precious and it's, and it's powerful. So go and listen to it again. There's a lot, there's a lot of what um, was in there. But... Uh, and. Uh, for those who want to know, I'm doing very well. I am holding the reins, and I am chomping at the bit. I have pegged my preaching slots in January, so nobody's going to take them. I'm gonna, I am itching to preach. Um, but uh, we're looking forward to the new year, and it's exciting. No matter what's happening around, I tell you what, I'm still going to preach that message. Christ in the chaos. I'm telling you what. This may, this may look like it's spinning out of orbit, this planet, but I'll tell you what, God is right in the middle of it, and He's chuckling, and He says, I have the last say in this whole deal. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you, because we've got a fellowship. We've got to talk to the one another's. We've got to have some great coffee. There's even watermelon there waiting for you to have a bite on. So, Father, thank you. Thank you that we can get together. We can gather. Thank you for the new, new folk that have joined us for the very first time today, that they could come and, and, and do family with us. 
So, Father, as we go out into a needy and dying world, I thank you that you, we sent out there with your love, with your light, with your hope, with your joy. And, Father, as we approach a time where we just celebrate the incredible gift, not the one that's under the tree, but the one that was on the tree. Father, the gift. We receive that gift, and we celebrate that gift, and we say thank you for that gift. And thank you that that gift set us free from all sin and shame. And, Father, we thank you for this incredible family that will demonstrate your love in the season that lies ahead in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. The coffee is cooking. <laughs>